Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is Christmas Eve, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Brochard as he preached from the lectionary, which was Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. As always, you can find more information about All Souls or sermons by All Soulsians on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. sometimes you can hear a story so often, you can hear it so many times that you actually don't hear the words anymore because you, you think you know what's coming next, and it becomes really hard uh, to hear the surprise, to hear the parts of the story that catch you afresh or new. Well, that was me on Tuesday. No, it's not, it's not true. Well, kind of, actually, because <laughs> I've heard this story a few times. I'm sure many of you have heard this a few times. And so uh, I just kept wondering, what about this, this year, feels new? And as I did that, I, I actually found myself in a, in a place I haven't before. And I'd like to go back to just the, the first few words of our story for tonight. Because I think that the, the storyteller here in Luke's gospel frames it in a very particular way and in a way that I just haven't heard before. So, now if this will help, you might, um, might pretend like you haven't heard this before. <laughs> I don't know, it's really hard. Believe me, I know it's hard. Uh, but I want you to imagine that you're living in the first century, and you're living somewhere along the Mediterranean, uh, and somebody is telling you this story for the first time. And it's the first time that you have heard about the birth of the Christ, and specifically where this Messiah is born. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. Okay, so Emperor Augustus, also known as uh, Gaius, Augustus, Octavian, um, was the the founder of the the Roman Principate uh, around the turn of that century which became really the the first phase of what was then the Roman Empire. Uh, And it would make sense that the announcement of the birth of the the King of Kings, the mighty God, would uh, take place in Rome, right? That's the seat of power for the Roman Empire. Except that's not where the birth of the Christ happens. Um, No, we only hear about uh, Emperor Augustus because of the decree that goes out, which is that all citizens of the empire should register. And why? So that we can count you, so that you can pay taxes, so that you can fund the army that is occupying your region. So, not born there, not in Rome. 
So then the next thing we hear about is this. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Okay, so Syria isn't Rome, but Damascus is an ancient and beautiful city. So it might make sense that the wonderful counselor would be born there, uh, except that he's not. Uh, we've gotten now much further away from Rome. We're in a, in a far-off region where uh, middle managers go to die. And far from the seat of power, uh, well, actually, the Christ is not even born here. So let's keep reading. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. Now, that's really good news because uh, Galilee is a backwater in the first century. You'd hate for the Messiah to be born there. Uh, and um, so let's, uh, let's hope then, if it's not going to be Galilee, they're heading down to Judea. Let's hope that Joseph and Mary are heading for Jerusalem, right? The holy city the city of prophets. That's a great place for Jesus to be born. Except, um, no. Our story keeps going, and it goes actually out to a small village in the hill country outside of Jerusalem, to the city of David, called Bethlehem. Because he was, Joseph, was descended from the house and family of David, and he went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and he was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. What? With the animals? Not even in the house? This is where the Prince of Peace is born. Okay, so I know that many of you come to Christmas Eve services hoping for a geography lesson in ancient Roman Empire, but um, surely there might be another reason why I would start with a geography lesson. Um, the people and the places that frame the nativity uh, caught my attention this year because it is a critical reminder, an essential truth, that the grace of God, the inbreaking of the realm of heaven, doesn't happen at the center of an empire where all the power is gathered. Now, the grace of God is found at the margins, at the periphery of our vision, at the edges of what we know and feel like we can hold in our grasp. This is where our God shows up. Note that in our story, very few people are in control. 
Maybe Caesar thinks he is, but it's only for a time, if at all. Not that middle manager, Quirinius. Certainly not Joseph or Mary forced to travel with Mary so close to term. Forced to depend on the hospitality of long lost kin at a time when so many others were there. But I find such hope in Luke's framing of this story. Because even though nobody in this text really understands what's happening, they take the next faithful step, trusting that God is leading them on, even if it feels like they're being led to the edges of their known map. When I was a teenager in high school, I took part in a spiritual retreat called Happening. Uh, the weekend-long retreat is uh, it's an intensive, immersive experience in the Christian faith, and it's full of stories of faith and acts of love and moments of intense self-discovery. And before going to this retreat, I had been told that really powerful spiritual experiences happen there, epiphanies, and, well, moments of coming to Jesus. And so heading to the retreat center in the Santa Cruz Mountains, um, I was apprehensive and excited and wary. What were we going to do there? What was going to happen? What if it didn't happen? What if I was looking for God and wasn't found? The retreat was incredible. The, the music, the, the intimacy of the sharing, a profound sense of connection and community. It was, it was tangible. I could feel it. It was like a few weekends of my life up to this point. But by the end of the retreat, <laughs> that thing had not happened. I didn't have that mountaintop experience. I just didn't. And uh, that weekend was a huge rainstorm. And because the effects of the storm, they actually had to close Highway 17. And so to get us home, the, the bus driver got rerouted and headed over to the coast. And we took Highway 1, the coastal route, back up. And I, I still vividly remember the bus chugging around those switchback turns. And uh, at some point, I found myself looking out of the, the window of the bus, and I was looking at the, the sky and the sea and the waves rhythmically rolling to shore, and the cliffs and the flowers that were hugging the cliffs. And then it happened. I had this feeling, this uh, sensation, this realization of the divine. 
There were no words. Really, the words I'm using right now are completely inadequate. I felt this intense oneness, as if my body were connected to all that is, to the sky and to the sea and to the waves and to the cliffs and to the flowers, to all the plants and all the people. I felt that God Almighty was like coursing through me. My body, it just, it felt... um, Electric and centered all at the same time. And then it was over. I have no idea how long that lasted. It could have been uh, 10 seconds or 30 seconds or a minute. I have no idea. All I know is that afterwards, I knew I'd been found. Like forever changed. By being found. And then I was back on that bus <laughs> and it was chugging around the switchbacks of Highway 1. I was in my body again as I knew it and it was different. But it happened on the bus. <laughs> and that's the part That's the part I think that we need to remember tonight, because I think that we often walk right past these great mysteries, like the mystery of Christmas, because we so narrow this experience of God with us, you know, and we expect it to happen on nights like this, (laughs) as beautiful as it is. And, And don't get me wrong, God is here, and that we can trust in our bodies as we sing, in our breath as we keep silent, in the bread and the wine as we receive it. But we miss out on where God is heading if we close our hearts when we leave this place. My experience is that the moments of connection with the divine rarely come at the appointed hour in all the ways that we have planned. But we have to be open so that we can receive them. The movements that change the world, the movements that change our nations, that change our souls, These movements do not begin at the center. They start on the edges where God is at work, and it's at the edges that we need to be paying our attention. And so I wonder, what are you hoping for this Christmas? not in your stocking or under the tree. No, consider the edges, the margins of your life, the places of possibility, the spaces of confusion, 
the relationships that have frayed. Where might you make space so that the Christ can enter in? Where in those sometimes frightening places or places of untold story might you invite God to be present with you? As we come to worship this night in this deep and dark and beautiful silent night, just remember that there is no person so lost that they cannot be found. There is no place so far from status or power or influence that it cannot be transformed by the inbreaking of the realm of God. Open your heart. God is waiting to be known. Birthed once again in us, with us, right there on the edges of what we might know.